This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is our 10 minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. In 1993, Kelly Camargo was 16 years old and a week away from beginning her junior year at Hamilton High School in Hamilton, Ohio. That's a suburb of Cincinnati. She was a pretty girl with long and wavy brown hair and a sweet smile. She was well-liked by those who knew her, a life-of-the-party kind of girl with above-average grades and an interest in arts and dance. When she was younger, she'd taken ballet and jazz lessons and even won some dance contests. She loved to doodle and sketch out dresses and thought she might make a career of fashion design. But Kelly was 16, going on 20. As she got older, she found herself attracted to a somewhat rowdier crowd. Friends who smoked, drank, and hung out in parking lots of bars. It was Saturday night, August 21, 1993. And in one of the last flings of the summer, Kelly told her mom she was going with friends to a teen pool hall and arcade in nearby Fairfield. But instead, the girls ended up in the parking lot of a bar called P.J. Shooters at the corner of South Erie and Long Streets, a place with a reputation as a biker bar. A small crowd had formed there, and as the friends smoked and chatted, Kelly struck up a conversation with a man that her friends didn't know. Kelly told one of her friends she was going with the man to the store. When the friend quizzed her about the guy, she said she knew him, adding, he's cool, he's cool. The friend offered to ride with Kelly and the man, but Kelly waved her off, promising they'd be right back. Then Kelly climbed into a station wagon with that man and three others. Five hours later, Kelly's friends were still waiting for her return. By 3 a.m., everyone had left the parking lot but her worried friends. When the sun rose without Kelly safe in her bed, her mom, Donna Jones, called police. Mrs. Jones told a Dayton Daily News reporter, I know my daughter, and I knew something was wrong. I mean, I didn't know she had passed, but I felt something was very wrong, like somebody was holding her hostage. That's what I thought. 
Police, family, and friends searched for Kelly. Mrs. Jones, she walked around town carrying an 8 by 10 photograph of her daughter, asking everyone she encountered if they'd seen her. Detectives learned Kelly and her companion had made it to another bar that night. She was seen at the Camden Bar on East Central Avenue in Camden. That was the last time she was seen alive. Kelly's mom said her daughter had pretty much hid her life with that rough crowd. She knew her daughter had experimented with some drinking, but didn't think her daughter was involved in anything heavier than that. She did, however, see her daughter as naive and perhaps not the best judge of character. About two weeks after Kelly disappeared, a father and son out for a hike on a private farm in Somers Township, Preble County, spotted something under a pile of brush. It was Kelly's remains. She was just two miles from where she'd gotten into that car with that stranger. The body was badly decomposed, and had to be identified through dental records, though her mother also recognized the shoes she wore. The exact cause of death could not be determined, but the coroner called it homicidal violence that included a sexual assault. Whoever put Kelly under that brush knew the area well, detectives said. To get to where Kelly was, the killer had to get out of his car and unlatch a gate. This was private land owned by an elderly farmer, not the kind of place someone would come across randomly. No, whoever took Kelly there knew that piece of land. Investigators came up with two or three names of people they kept a close eye on, but in 1995, their focus switched to a drifter that had been picked up by Kentucky State Police after a high-speed chase. The man was a suspect in several murder cases, and bragged to police that he might have killed as many as 70 people, many of them women had picked up in bars. And the man was from Kelly's hometown of Hamilton. His name was Glenn Rogers, and back in Hamilton, he'd compiled a long arrest record on charges ranging from arson to aggravated assault. Police also suspected him of killing an elderly Hamilton man that he had lived with. That victim, his name was Mark Peters, went missing two months after Kelly was found dead. A few weeks after that, his remains were found tied to a chair in a cabin that was owned by the Rogers family in Kentucky. The year that Kelly Camargo and Mark Peters both died, Glenn Rogers left Ohio for California. It was later discovered he had traveled all over the country, hanging out in bars and turning on the charm to woo women from the West Coast to the East. After Rogers was ultimately convicted of two murders, a woman in California and another in Florida, he was dubbed the Casanova Killer. But was Kelly his first victim? At least early on, detectives thought it possible. The circumstances were just too much to ignore. Rogers later recanted his claim to having killed dozens of people, saying he was just joking. I've traveled in bars all over the world. I've probably met millions of women, he once told a reporter, but he denied killing any of them. In Kelly's case, authorities released a sketch of a man described by Kelly's friends. He was in his 20s or 30s, five foot nine, 160 pounds, 
with dark brown hair and a mustache. Frankly, I saw a picture of a young Glenn Rogers, and he looked a lot like this guy in this picture. Mm. But within a few months of Glenn Rogers making the news, stories of his possible connection to Kelly Camargo completely faded away. Stories told on the anniversaries of Kelly's death don't even mention him. That leads me to believe that authorities either ruled him out or don't see him as their primary suspect anymore. I would think Kelly's friends might have recognized him if it were him, or that DNA the police say they've collected in the case would have pointed to him. And so Preble County Sheriff detectives continue to work the case. Even retired detective Terry Snowden told the Dayton Daily News he picks up the file from time to time, hoping to see something that was missed. He was the first investigator assigned to the case, chasing leads as far as Seattle. This is one of the cases in my career I've wanted to wrap up the most, he said. It is a solvable case. We just need one or two more little pieces. In 2015, the detective on the case, Dean Miller, said he was certain there are local people who know what happened to Kelly. And authorities still have two or three people they believe might have been involved in her death. One person of interest was a man who was playing in the band that night at PJ Shooters. Another person of interest still lives right there in Preble County. Five years ago, detectives resubmitted DNA in the case to the state's BCI, hoping to get that last piece of the puzzle. At that time, Preble County Sheriff Mike Simpson said, in 22 years, technology changes. I mean, it can change every five years with DNA, with what science can do. But five years later, DNA has yet to be the miracle that many were hoping for. And Kelly Camargo is still waiting for justice. If you have information about the murder of Kelly Camargo, call the Preble County Sheriff's Office. They're at 937-683-8047. That's it for our midweek 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full-sized Ohio mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. And may all of your mysteries have happy endings. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.